0: Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developer's podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer who's sitting right in front of me, William Jeffries. What?
1: Back from the uh, mysterious land.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I took the Silk Road.
1: Oh yeah,
0: it's a long journey. (laughs) It's been a long time since we actually recorded in the same room, and it's glad I'm glad that you're back.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's well, so it's crazy because you went on paternity leave, and then right before you came back, I went to India for a four month project. Yeah, so Hyderabad. Yeah, yeah, Hyderabad news, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> How are the laser shows in Hyderabad? <laughs> they're it's, they're really into the laser shows. Love them. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. I, I I enjoy a laser show. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> you know, you just get like a monument or a statue. Just you know, put laser some lasers it up. on it. Yeah. You just put some lasers put some on it. Laser. <laughs> it's great. It's fun for
1: the whole
0: family. It was just a statue before, and now it's like entertainment. There you go. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about performance testing. Why you should do it and pitfalls to avoid when you start performance testing. I'm sure there is some kind of performance testing when there are laser shows out in Hyderabad, but very different to <laughs> performance <laughs> testing on a software developing <laughs> level. It's not just about the color of the lasers. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's, it's an about placerator. how <laughs> Why would a company or why would someone want a performance test? Or like, what even is a performance test? What is a performance
2: test? What is the purpose? What are your performance tests? This is a good question. Good question, I mean, so to me, a performance test is a test that uh, gives you information, gives you data, gives you measurements about the reliability of your app under load, so you I mean you're generating some kind of load against your application and then you're you're measuring how well it performs so what does that
1: mean in practice like, it's like if I have ten thousand users, it'll take me five seconds to respond to each request or. Or what are like some of the metrics you might look at?
2: So, I mean, I think we're getting into like the different... that We're now getting into the different types of, of performance tests, right? Because, I mean, so if you're looking to see how it affects latency, when we're talking about simulating, you know, 100,000 users or 10,000 users of however many users, it's like in order to know how to interpret the results or, or how to generate the test at all, you kind of need like a goal here. So, I mean what are we doing here are we are we doing capacity planning where we're saying well we think we're going to 10x our user base so you know we have 100,000 users a day now what would happen if it were a million then what you're that's capacity planning and what you need to do is run a load test where you have a fixed amount of load that you're going to throw at your app if instead you are trying to do some diagnostics for example and like the last time that you had a bunch of traffic you know, everything broke and you don't understand why or how, maybe you would want to do like a spike test. Let's say that you just, you you had a huge spike in traffic and one of your services went down and you, you don't really know why. Uh, so you're trying to do like a CSI
1: kind of thing and replicate yeah. the crime scene and like <laughs> pick the trajectory of the bullet that like, you know, took out the service. Yeah, yeah.
2: So maybe you spin up a, you know, a testing environment, which is prod-like and then you Replay your production traffic over it, or maybe you create a spike test where you throw a bunch of load at it all at once, you know, with a similar amount of load to what you saw in production when the service went down. So that would be like another, or maybe you're you're just doing preventative measures, and you and you want to regularly be throwing a lot of load at your application in a controlled way. Maybe during office hours where people are there to fix it if you're doing it in prod or, or maybe you're doing it in like a lower environment like UAT as part of your deployment pipeline. You know, just like you're running your, your unit tests or your end-to-end tests, you might want to run some performance tests to make sure that your, your metrics are, are holding up, that you're returning two hundreds for valid requests, that you're not getting timeouts, that your latency isn't above whatever threshold you care about. So you're kind of like introducing like
1: almost like a chaos monkey type approach where you're trying to like do a bad thing to your system in order to better understand like a real scenario where a bad thing might happen. We're like,
2: yeah, I mean, so I think we were on a client together where we set up a performance test that ran nightly and we threw a bunch of load at it during off-peak times so that if there was something broken that we would find out about it when it wasn't going to be revenue impacting it was easy to fix. And then, you know, in the morning when we came in, we could try and address the problem before before things got bad. Right, we
1: wanted to know when Kim Kardashian's butt was going to break the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> those things happen. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, have a, I have a question. So, True story. <laughs> um, when you, you have mentioned threshold in terms of certain performance tests, where do those numbers like appear do you run a performance test and then get the average of all the performance tests that you've run to figure out what like for example for our throughput or load um obviously for load you want to make sure that things load fast right but what is fast like how does the company or the the engineering team come up with what quote unquote fast is yeah
1: like what is a failing load or like a failing result for that
2: yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, this is a great question because I think this is one of those things that people don't think about when they first start performance testing and then they realize like, oh, okay. Well, so, I mean, it's kind of still working, right? Like, this- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so things are still there. I mean, it's the like, page uh... took five seconds to load and for, I don't know, you know, 7% of the users had never loaded at all. Yeah. Is that bad? How bad is that? Can we, can we deal with that? Can we live with that? Right. <laughs> Asking the hard questions, right? (laughs) So, I mean, what we're talking about here really is, I mean, this is an SRE concept of, a site reliability engineering concept of SLOs. So you have your service level indicators, like, you know, the amount of time that it takes for a single web request to return. So, you know, this is really a, a measure of latency. And then your service level objective would be something like, it should be under 500 milliseconds. So... You know, when we say it should be under 500 milliseconds, we're going to define some kind of a a threshold like for 95% of users or for P95 or P99, whatever your percentage is. So then when you go to run your test, you can tell whether it's passing or failing by checking to see what percentage of users exceeded your your 500 millisecond limit. If it's over 5% or whatever threshold you set, now now you've exceeded your error budget.
1: Yeah. And I guess like some companies, like they even like have a very specific understanding of like when the page latency is this, our conversion rate is this. So we make this much money. And so there might be like a really like it, depending on how mature like your your data collection and uh, analytics of that is like you, you may have a very real understanding of what the impact of a page taking five seconds to load is
2: right yeah i think amazon did this they found that if they were able to shave an extra hundred milliseconds off of the average page load time they got an extra one percent in sales revenue which for them is you know tens of millions of dollars right yeah
1: yeah yeah. like living and dying by like the razor-thin margin or i guess in amazon's case not dying just just living (laughs) or like living really large
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think they jumped like another three spots on the, the Fortune 500 list. They're crushing it. I'm sure that place is riddled with a ton
0: of performance tests. And oh, every yeah. single sense and possible thing that can happen to that website, they're like running it.
1: Right. Well, I, I think like it, this is kind of a tangent, but I, I remember reading like a story about the founding of AWS. And AWS was founded like because they had all this extra capacity that they had for like spikes. In traffic during like peak shopping times,
2: Christmas, yeah, uh, yeah. Black so Friday. they had like
1: all these Christmas servers. Nobody's using them, <laughs> like you know, eleven months out of the year. So that's that's how you get a uh,
2: AWS. It's and now I think AWS generates more revenue than the yep than the, than the shop store, itself. It's just crazy. Christmas, twelve months of the year.
0: <laughs> There's a type of testing that I think you haven't mentioned. What is scale? When would you performance test for scaling?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, a lot of systems have some kind of an auto-scaling feature. And so, you might do some performance testing to see what the characteristics are when you hit your auto-scale points, like how smooth that transition is, how well it handles. This is sort of a crossover with spike testing, but you might run a spike test and see how well the auto-scaling works under different conditions.
1: I see. So, like, you know, I guess it's hard to write, like... A traditional integration or unit test on your YAML file that says that you will scale X number of servers at this point. So the only way to truly understand the impact of your configuration is to see what happens when you have that situation.
2: Right. Yeah. Make sure that your scale, your auto-scaling is working properly and, and that it is, you know, however fast you need it to be. Because there are different ways to set up your auto-scaling, right? You can have different, like AWS has different auto-scale policies and you can pay more in order to have the auto-scaling kick in faster. So, you know, throwing some tests at it, like particularly ones that simulate prod-like user traffic, is helpful because then you can see like, okay, how how much money could we save or how much better of a user experience could we provide if we... Had faster auto scaling. Right. Yeah.
0: I have another question though. If we go back, I think we've done a couple of episodes on testing and we've discussed the Martin Fowler triangle pyramid of like testing, where like the very bottom is your unit test, which you should have a ton of, followed by integration and then acceptance. Where would performance tests exist in this
2: triangle, you think? That's a great question because I don't think Martin Fowler has really ever opined on that. So, I mean, I- Yeah, I'm just curious, like the- <laughs> I it- would say it's like at the top. I mean, it would be the one, you would need fewer performance tests than you would need acceptance tests. Right. It would be the, they're the most expensive <laughs> right. by a lot. Yeah, especially the scaling one because you probably have to pay
0: for that server to kick up. Yeah, oh, yeah,
2: way- yeah all of these you're probably going to be wanting to if you have to throw meaningful load, you know, if you're using Bees with Machine Guns or or, or any of these paid services like Flood.io or whatever, your Blaze Meter, you're going to be paying for a bunch of cloud hosted servers to all throw load at your at your app. So you have to pay for that. And I mean, it's going to be slow because you have to throw enough load at it for the server to have a chance to respond and fall over or do whatever it's going to do, especially if you're running a soak test where you are throwing consistent load at this app or, or this system for, you know, potentially hours or even days. Like those are extremely expensive tests. Okay. So a soak test would be a sustained load over some time. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the spike is just like a quick punch to the face and then (laughs) (laughs) leave it at that. Right, right. Yeah, usually the spikes are much more low than a soak test would be, but for a much shorter period of time. And the soak tests are really useful because they, they expose these problems that only come about after a server has been straining for a really long time. Like if you have a memory leak, for example, a spike test probably isn't going to catch the memory leak because the you run out of the traffic pretty quickly. Yeah. You might get lucky. Right. Whereas if you're throwing consistent load at it, even if it's not as much load for, you know, six, eight, 10 hours, you might find that a lot of systems are running out of memory or running out of disk space or whatever. You've got some queue, they got backed up. There could be all kinds of problems. That makes sense.
0: So say I'm sold on performance testing my application. You mentioned a tool that sounded pretty cool and I would be terrified if it actually existed. You mentioned bees with machine guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's a great name for a <laughs> tool. I do not want bees <laughs> with machine guns. I'm already terrified of bees as it is. Bees are already scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's,
1: that's Don't the, arm the them. bees. Bees roll in the Bronx, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
0: no. <laughs> They're different. They got their New York caps and Timberland boots. And so, what is bees with machine guns like? Yeah, hey, do-
2: that's an open source tool that will spin up AWS EC2 instances for you, and then. And you can point them at your server and it throws a bunch of load it's like a an open source way of doing the same kind of stuff that tools like blaze meter would do for you okay which is like a, a paid tool so like just more broadly i guess like
1: so say I, i'm like okay yeah i i get it like i need to understand my system under load like how do you go about implementing it like do you need to use a tool like this like should I roll my own? Should or? I tell my
0: mom to visit the website? <laughs> right. <laughs> you
2: you know, honestly... Go to like- <laughs> <com>. <laughs> That is a totally valid performance test <laughs> is to get you and like two other devs to all hit the website at the same time from your laptop. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> you have more than one worker on your production <laughs> instance. But maybe you don't. It could be just hosed. <laughs> I've worked on projects where, you know, you get four engineers all hitting that same that same endpoint that, you know, hasn't been optimized yet. And... You know, it'll fall over. And it's nice to do this kind of manual testing just to confirm that your test suite is returning accurate results. But I think like probably a good starting point would be to use a a local command line tool. Like maybe, I think probably the most popular one is JMeter, which actually comes with a CLI. So it's pretty user-friendly. And then you can throw some load at it just using your laptop without having to go to AWS or or some kind of third-party service and then once you have a general sense of what the performance characteristics of your app are and you want to do something more elaborate like throw more load than one laptop could generate or hook it up to a, you know a Jenkins job or or something automated and then you can move on to some of the more robust tools uh and you mentioned a couple of the paid ones
0: uh one being BlazeMeter
2: yeah, BlazeMeter is a, a paid cloud hosted version of JMeter. So, I mean it's it's handy if you've been working locally with your JMeter files cuz JMeter you, you you create these XML files which are configuration and then you can upload that to BlazeMeter and BlazeMeter allows you to horizontally scale and, and they produce like graphs charts, and charts in a web interface that's very handy. So you might like
1: hit a hit a wall with your local testing or the resources that you have available and
2: Yeah, if very you easily if you have a just non-terrible app, then you're probably not going to be able to generate enough traffic with your local like laptop. What are some common pitfalls you've seen when
0: people or engineering teams start to implement performance testing?
2: I mean we already talked about one of them, which is like not really having any expectations for what constitutes failure i mean you really do need to define what success looks like and what sort of threshold you're willing to tolerate and and that should be a conversation you have with customers like with customers and with product what exactly do we really need to maintain because nobody has 100 percent uptime nobody has zero latency like these things are impossible even Google has downtime. Oh
0: yeah, or like Slack. When Slack is down, like everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone starts bugging out and like, why I can't message people? I want to see my cat gifs. GitHub is another one that's really important to individuals. It's and when Amazon, Amazon when the
2: AWS goes down, the whole internet oh, shuts down.
0: Yeah, like fifty percent is probably on Do AWS. You guys remember what
2: was, what was it, like twenty sixteen? Yeah, when
1: they went S3 down, S three went down, and like the. Uh, what was it like the red light indicator on the status page was stored in S3? <laughs> so yeah. it just displayed a green light indicator because it was cached.
0: <laughs> but it was Amazing. down. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh man. I think hitting the cache on your performance test is probably another issue that may arise because you want to test your application when it retrieves data like from the beginning and not something that's already cached
1: right if especially if you're using like a service like fastly or something for caching like maybe you want to know that it's working but then you don't want to like invest in a soak test on fastly or something we just need to be like spending money to verify that fastly is fastly at, at a certain right. point <laughs> yeah it's like oh yeah it's pretty fast good <laughs> job yeah I guess you could also go go wrong if like you weren't using prod like data if like your data set was very small and you had like an unperforming query, you know if there's ten rows, then maybe it's fine like you you may have an okay response time, but then as the data starts to scale out, then you could see some more issues when you
2: have more load.
0: yeah, would you call it a best practice to do your performance test?
2: on production? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I th- I think a lot of people are afraid to do that.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah I was going to say, I, I feel terrified that you just said that. Yeah. I just got anxiety
2: right now. <laughs> All broad, like yeah, it, yeah. with the possibility that it'll go prod. down? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so you should have a failsafe mechanism where you can shut, where the performance test will automatically shut down if prod starts to fall over. But, I mean, absolutely, you should be testing your prod environment because, I mean, Wouldn't you rather know that your prod environment can't handle load when you're running a performance test instead of when you have an actual user spike? Right. And there's so
1: many things like in a modern app that can be configured completely differently, like between environments, like you could be using rabbit mq in a lower environment but amazon sqs in the higher environment so like the performance characteristics of those may be completely different the configuration of those will also be completely different so
0: you want to know so the only person that could bring down production is me so i know exactly when it happens and i think that is a good point because like if if we can control when it goes down then we can know why it went down
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you just figure out how much your maximum historical load has ever been, and then you just throw double that at it every morning before people get in for work, or like while engineers are in the office, or, you know, maybe late at night, whenever non-peak traffic is, and you have a fail-safe mechanism where if the performance test suite starts to register a whole bunch of 500s or timeouts, that it shuts off the test then, I mean, this is like a really wonderful preventative measure that can help you with your capacity planning later on. And it is tricky because you, when you're testing in, performance, in production, you also have production traffic. Right. So, it I mean, it's harder to know exactly how much load you're throwing at the system at any given time. But if your system is robust, then it should be able to handle an order of magnitude more traffic than you have. So, you should be safe. What
1: are some alternatives, like, if I really just can't afford
2: hitting my production environment with, with this kind of traffic or... Like- I think having a dedicated performance testing environment is a great thing to have regardless of whether or not you're going to test in production. It's a great place to do automated testing as part of your deployment pipeline because w- when you deploy code, you, I mean, you don't want to run a performance test every time you deploy code know. have that run in production and you, and you probably wouldn't want to fail a code deployment with something as non-deterministic as, as the production performance test. But having that run in a lower environment as part of your as part of your deployment pipeline, just like you run automated user acceptance tests in a lower environment as part of your pipeline, I think is really valuable.
0: Mm, interesting. Right. So if it's not production itself, something really, really, really close to it. Yeah, and yeah then- like
2: your UAT environment if you don't want to set up another dedicated environment for performance testing. But yeah, as close to pride as possible.
1: Earlier you mentioned kind of doing diagnostics to understand an issue or a failure by replaying production traffic. Like how would I go about even start like collecting what my production traffic looks like? Yeah, or so, how- I mean,
2: this is tricky because like this is a constant challenge is uh, making sure that your tests are prod like that your performance tests are similar to prod like traffic. So you can record the actual web requests that get made like to your application, and then and then you can replay those exact requests. But you can run into issues with this when you're dealing with sensitive information, because you, I mean, you're going to want to clean that data if there's any sensitive user information you may not want that stored in you know in your test suite, which is probably going to be uh, committed code and uh, accessible code. Like that data is going to be accessible to developers. So, I mean, you're probably going to have to make some compromises about how prod-like your your traffic is. It seems like it would be tricky too with
1: like posts that may change the state of the application. Like to know, like to truly have, to replicate a situation, you'd have a starting state in the database and the cache and everywhere else. Some requests that change the state and end result to that seems to be a little
2: little tricky to to figure out how to do that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. If a user is deleting a blog post and then you go and replay that traffic, but that blog post doesn't exist anymore, you might register a failure, even though everything's fine. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it becomes really hard. The the whole prod-like traffic thing, I think, is kind of a holy grail. I don't think I've ever seen anybody had truly prod-like right, traffic got- get replayed, unless it's like a very simple service. Right. Like a CMS kind of thing. Like you're
1: just getting results, getting
2: pages And also the size of the data that comes through. I mean, that's one of the things that I think you really do want to make sure you get right is if users are consistently uploading 10 megabyte files, your performance test shouldn't be uploading 10 kilobyte files. Like they should be comparable in terms of the the volume, like the throughput. So I mean, that's a throughput test. It's like another kind of category of testing where you try and use the same volume of data or push the limits of the volume of data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That
0: makes sense. Yeah, it seems like we touched on a whole lot of different types of performance testing. I'll ask out of the ones we discussed, what performance test is the most important one that people should start with?
2: I would say probably stress testing. That's what I always recommend that people start with is because normally people don't really know the performance characteristics of their app. Like how much traffic could it really handle? And so that that can be kind of anxiety provoking, just not knowing how much traffic your app can handle. And so if you run a stress test, what you're doing is you're throwing enough, you, you continue to throw more and more load at your app until eventually it does break. You stress it until the breaking point. I think the term actually comes from Mechanical engineering when you would stress a, a you know a, like an a tool or a bridge or a piece of equipment to the point that it actually physically breaks. And what's nice about it is that now okay now you know well uh, we can handle a hundred users. So Let's we have like that. ten right now. I guess we have a little bit of time. But yeah, don't let the the first person on that
0: hundred sales team is going to fuck bridge. us real
2: quick. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so start if you are starting to performance test. Be sure to dip into that uh, stress
2: test first. And yeah, then yeah. I mean, people are like, they're very quick to jump to load testing. They're like, we're going to throw exactly you know, 500 requests a second at it. And as though the, that were... A, people always have some reason why they think that number is the appropriate number. Yeah,
0: which goes back to what you mentioned before. That should be discussed with the customer and product people as to what that number is and come up with the proper performance test, not this arbitrary number that comes up and...
2: Right. I think it's very easy to use it to justify whatever position you already have. Like if you want to invest in more infrastructure or if you want to argue that everything is fine, like load tests are a great way to confirm your existing (laughs) bias. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we know we're not going to have more than 200 requests a second. And so we did a load test and the error rate wasn't that bad. So it's probably fine, right? Things are passing. Everything's good. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're not totally passing, but I think whatever <laughs> were the results were is probably good enough,
1: right? Yeah. I guess like stress testing too, like it gives you a baseline. So, you can say like, okay, what is a 100% load? Like what is the point at which we will have a straw that breaks the camel's back and then we can see where the characteristics of the system are like on the load of like 90% or 80% or whatever.
2: Yeah. And it forces that conversation with stakeholders about what is acceptable. Because, I mean, even at low load, you're going to have some small percentage of errors. So, you know, having that conversation and saying, okay, we've decided that anything over, you know, five seconds of page load and anything over, you know, 5% error rate, that's where that's whatever the numbers are, that's unacceptable. And we are willing to sacrifice feature delivery work in order to invest in improvements to the infrastructure in order to fix this. Like We're going to stop the engineering team. We're going to stop the presses. Right. You need to fix the
0: infrastructure, make sure
2: all these numbers are passing.
0: Right. Yeah. So if you're not running performance tests, you should do them. Talk to your customers and collaborate with the organization to determine what is passing and ensure you have performance tests that covers those numbers. If you're starting to performance test, start with the stress.
2: Yeah, yeah, and your customers might tell you that they want 100 percent uptime and zero latency, and you know you might need to might need to re- renegotiate. This is like <laughs> that's hard. M- maybe talk to business about it. <laughs> Come up with some kind of a compromise.
0: Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit, so we can keep the conversation going.